this class is called Cliches. And what we've been doing uh, this fall has been talking about different Christian cliches. Um, and cliches are these different phrases and statements and uh, what have you that is often talked about in our Christian culture. And what we do in here is we try to um, dissect these phrases and really dig a little bit deeper and see if we believe, A, if these things are, are true, if this, is this a true phrase, or if it's uh, problematic, or if we need to kind of reinvent it and think of something new. Uh, I made this disclaimer at the start of the class, and I, I need to make it again just as a reminder, but when we are doing this class, the, the, the goal is not for us to, if someone says a phrase or says a, a statement like the statements we talk about to uh, you know, use this, use what we have discussed in here as artillery to shame them or to hurt them or to uh, look down upon them, but maybe to walk alongside them and help them have a more robust conversation about what they're trying to get at. Because what we know is that um, with all the cliches we've done so far is that they're not, they're, people say they're not trying to be bad or evil or, or malice in what they're doing. They just, they're just, using a phrase that has just been a part of the culture that they've grown up in. And so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what we do in here, and I'll turn it over to you guys, and we'll get, get going. So, um, the cliche is, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Raise your hand if you have heard this cliche before. We've got a few, so not the most popular cliche. Uh, I haven't heard it in a long time. Um, what context, where did you guys hear that, that you've heard it? it I've heard it from my grandparents. Your grandparents, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. We had a, uh, in my house back in the 70s, we had a uh, refrigerator magnet that had this. Um, and some people in our church were very hardcore and they, they criticized the cliche because they said we really don't need that second line. Because what you really should say is the Bible says it. That settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Amen? I mean, that's, that's, that took the cliche to a deeper place. Yeah, that did. Um, but, uh, Lauren, go ahead and introduce what happened. Our discussion. So, um, what we, again, if you're not, if you haven't been here before, what we typically do is separate it into small groups and discuss, you know, kind of a, we usually give you a prompt of some sort. So what we're thinking that would be good for you to discuss in groups together today is, um, well, so I'll, I'll ask you this, and, you know, this is going to be shaming for those of you who won't raise your hand, I guess, so it's not meant to be. How many of you would say that you do believe that scripture, in some sense, reveals God's word? Um, so the question I have for you is, do you think you could defend that claim to someone who is does not believe that's the case? And how would you start to do that? So in, you know, kind of talk, four or five of you, your row, however you want to do it, discuss how you would begin that conversation with someone who says, I don't believe that's true. I have no idea why you would think that's true. So where would you, how would you start to defend that claim? Is that a Christian Sorry, I, I oh, there you are. It, so are we trying to defend that to somebody who believes in God in general or somebody who doesn't? Like, cause it, 
But if you're going to defend it differently. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, what do you think? Mm, it's interesting so, either way. So I guess there are some Christians who, who claim to be Christian but not really think the Bible. Yeah, what I was going to say is probably for that question, it's probably better to go along with someone who doesn't believe the Bible is uh, really reflects what God believes or what God wants because um, if it's an atheist, they're more likely just going to completely shut you out and saying something along those lines will get you absolutely nowhere so you can't even begin to defend it. I think, yeah, I think it's interesting either way and it's kind of worth thinking about how you would respond to either party. Yeah. But it might be... I don't know. It might be better to have the conversation with her. I would say take it however you want to. So um, <laughs> you might can think of things you would say to somebody who's like doesn't have a belief at all, or you might have some things you could say to somebody who claims to be Christian and yet doesn't really think the Bible is that important. That's just a strange category for me because I'm my. Maybe it's background is someone so who believes in God in general. So, like maybe like a different, like a religion. different religion. Yeah, like so are you starting with someone who has a faith that there you. is a God, or somebody who just you. says there isn't? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Either one of those. Either one. Either Let's one. just do either one. <laughs> yeah. Break up. Go. Yeah. Discuss. <laughs> And we'll start start over here with you all, with the ladies over here. Front. So let's get a representative to talk and tell everybody your name, whoever talks, and then we'll uh, hear your thoughts. Hey, I'm Olivia. Um, so we talked about you know how we express that we feel. the next group okay uh, so I'm Grant um, a lot of our discussion actually revolved around just how to approach the conversation in the first place um, depending on you know what you're dealing with whether it's someone who just doesn't believe at all that Jesus even existed um, or if he existed and he was like just a historical figure not the son of God or questioning the legitimacy of the Bible and basically trying to understand first and foremost like why like why the disbelief exists like what what is the issue that they have with the bible and approaching from 
sitting and hearing from them and then kind of going into the conversation of, well, okay, if it's a historical aspect, then we can look at different places all over in history other than the Bible to show that Jesus was a human who walked this earth. Um, a more tricky thing would be taking that and going like, okay, he is the divine son of God. Um, but really just understanding where they're coming from and talking from that standpoint. Um, we also talked about how a good place to start can be just the teachings of Christ. Did you hear all the time like, oh, I like Jesus, I just don't like Christianity. Um, and so starting in that, that place where you're like, okay, here's the teachings of Jesus, they're just inherently good. Um, and, and most people agree on that. And then saying, but it, it can't be separated from the rest. It's, it's inherently part of this larger story from Israel onward to where we are now. Um, and the good part is that none of the rest of that claim to be perfect. The only part of Christianity we claim to be perfect is Jesus. Um, so starting there and then moving out. Good, thanks. Next group. Uh, my name is Timotheus. Uh, when we talked about this, it, it was more of the fact that the cliche doesn't answer the question of why. I mean, it says the Bible, I believe it, and the Bible says it, therefore it sells it, but it doesn't actually go into why you believe that or on what basis the Bible says to do that. Uh, it doesn't show the, posit the positive side of the aspect that will get played into it today. It, it's like trying to um, explain something, but then not understand the principles that you stand on. It's very shaky house without foundation. So what would you say? What would you say? If someone said why. Trying to explain how it affects our lives today <coughs> and how we play into that. Yeah, I wonder if you hear somebody say the Bible says it, which Bible do you think they're talking about? <coughs> English Bible, Greek Bible, Hebrew Bible, Protestant Bible, Catholic Bible. I mean, that's Old Testament, Old Testament. <laughs> Bible or just New Testament, or you know, it's. So, yeah, they kind of make me think, yeah, what do you mean when you say the Bible says it? That, that already is assuming some things that could be questioned um, more specifically. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Thanks. Next group. Um, Jace, uh, we, we more talked about how when discussing our faith, it becomes a matter of you have to have faith in something, whether you have faith in creation from a God or you have faith in creation from the Big Bang, you have to have faith in something because neither one has a set, this is what happened. So it comes down to which way you put your faith. You either put your faith in a creator or you put your faith in a scientist. So we didn't really, I mean, we didn't really get to the way we did make the group kind of talking about that, but I'm just kidding. Hey, Abby. <laughs> um, um, we talked a lot about, like, at first, we, we got into that, and we talked about how um, non-Christian accounts back up, like, Jesus as his historical figure, as a Why do you choose to believe in history at all? And so it's like kind of that's how you would start 
mentioned, you know, we believe, you know, so we say, I believe in God, but somebody could say, do you believe in evolution? Well, do you believe in evolution, or do you... So that, that idea of you have to have faith in something. So we're not really arguing that some people have faith and some people just go by scientific knowledge, because everybody has to function with some uh, some bedrock that they can't prove uh, and maybe can't be proven scientifically that you have to start with. So that's a good point. And everyone relies in some sense on the testimony of others to just operate in their daily lives. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know how most of the things that I use work, you know. I couldn't fix my car myself <laughs> or whatever, you know. But I trust that my mechanic can and knows how to do it. I'm not sure the food in the cafeteria has not been poisoned. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm just kind of assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, next group. Next group back there. Mm -hmm. Well, we, uh, I'm Parker, by the way. Hey, Parker. So, uh, hey, guys. Um, <laughs> we kind of accidentally uh, neglected to talk about the original point, and uh, we went really off topic. So, so what'd you talk about? Doctor Strange or something? No, I mean, I can, I don't know, I can throw my, my two cents about, like, the previous point, because I actually, like, over the summer, I um, uh, taught a class in my youth group about um, faith and in, in things like creation and evolution and all that, and I think, yeah, they kind of nail it on the head, because I think people assume, um, like growing up and reading like today's textbooks, that it's kind of fact that um, that you know things like the Earth is billions of years old and all that. Um, when in reality, it's almost its own religion because, like they said, you have to start at some um, yeah at some place that you can't really prove and. Uh, and then from there, you have to just have faith. And I think that's something that people don't really realize. So I think that's something you can bring up is that um, even when you're talking about things like uh, evolution or what have you, that there's there's no uh, right right uh, answer as far as like the proof is concerned. Um, and it's it's more of a question of faith than anything else. So I'm curious, given that. Because we're talking about this, everyone has faith in some sort of narrative. What then is your criteria for deciding what to believe? Well, and anyone can answer. You know, I think yeah. uh, that's. I think that's a number of things. I think that's um, how you've grown up, um, and like you said, other people's testimonies affecting how you think. Um, what resonates with you, um, and yeah, because there's no real proven answer. I just think it comes from each person's own experiences and interactions and like I said, like how they how they grew up and how they were taught to think about things. Which is a little bit it's it's a pretty different paradigm than what we've been taught about like salvation and damnation, right? About as yeah. far as anyway, it's just just putting that out there. Yeah. Like if we're all subject that subject to how we were brought up. I think it go um, more so based off our personal experiences because you can you can be raised Christian and you know turn on atheist you know it just depends what you personally believe. Um, me personally, I was um, 
Jared, I was involved in a really bad wreck that I technically shouldn't have uh, come away alive from, but um, um, I did, and that, at least in my mind, was a sign that there was some divine being out there, and uh, for me, in my case, that would be stronger sense. So I think the things we go through in our daily walk um, help define what we believe. I think it's I think it's important to to remember that it's unlikely there may be some people in this room who have done this, but it's unlikely that I don't think most people who believe in the Bible even believe in the Bible because they've done a huge amount of research of all the possible holy books out there and decided <coughs> the Bible was the best one. Because we, we tend to be influenced by how we're raised and, and the community, and everybody is influenced by that on, on all number of topics. I heard once that um, the Inuit peoples that we used to call Eskimo, mm -hmm. uh, that they, they have like 16 words for snow because they live where there's so much snow. And to say to, to the, for them to say to each other, hey, it's snowing outside, would be like for us to say, hey, there's weather outside. It's not specific enough. You need to know if there's a wet snow, if there's a dry snow, is it the big ones that, you know, outside. Um, but, but their community requires more, specific, more specificity on the types of snow because of their experience. And so we're all influenced by our experience. That being said, I don't think it just reduces down to where you just believe whatever you want. I think there, there is truth out there. It's just recognizing that all the influences that that come that affect you in seeking for that truth is important to note. Yeah, I was gonna say, despite the like influences and things around you, um, and especially more in the modern world versus potentially some of the ages past with like the internet and such, we do have a lot more access to information about other religions and things. And faith and logic is not inherently separate. Um, and so while our faith is sometimes taking things to believe or trust in outside of our actual ability to understand it or to be able to logic through it, um, we use logic to get to some point to go. And then that leap to where it is and where I can get to myself makes some level of sense. So for science, like we can observe micro evolution. Like we've observed in Americas where there's a specific butterfly used to only be endemic in Europe, and now it feeds, it got transported, and now it feeds solely off of things that only exist in the Americas. And so, like, there's a level of microevolution there where, like, we can see that that group change essentially became something new. But, like, going backwards and tracing back to the origin of life, that isn't fully set in stone. There are things that are missing that we feel that some people go, I believe that these gaps make sense. And so they, they put their faith in that. Whereas in Christianity, you know, there's a lot of historical stuff you can look at and there's a lot of like moral stuff you can look at and go, this makes sense to me. And I think where some of the confusion leads now is like looking at, well, that makes logical sense to isn't separate from logic and so you start to like go almost build your own logical <coughs> like morals and where things might have come from yeah i i don't mean to say and i don't think we, we mean to imply that if it's if there's faith involved then that means well you need to believe it or you don't i can't prove it to you so there's 
it's useless to even give evidence because I, I do think evidence you need evidence and I, I like your follow-up on that um, but that being said you don't this uh, I don't have these analogies pop in my head but you don't have to date every single person in the world before you decide which one you want to marry you know maybe you don't have to date every religion in the world before you decide which one is, you think is best for you or something I don't know if that analogy works exactly. But, uh, we'll we'll let like it fly. We'll let it fly. I mean, you have to get, but you want to know somebody enough that you can then make that commitment. Right. But you don't have to go through every possible right. scenario before you make that commitment. I tried before I got married. But. Okay. <laughs> Next group. Um, okay, my name is Brendan. Um, we talked about that settles it kind of like closes off the wall and just like makes people feel like oh so I can't have any questions or can't have any doubts um and I kind of think that's the exact opposite of like what God's trying to invite us into like he's it's very much an invitation of like come to me and I'll help explain this to you like um like first Corinthians um 12 through 14 is talking about like gifts of the Holy I think it's two through four I'm talking about like gifts of the Holy Spirit um and one of them is like the gift of faith and so I think that it's definitely like a not that it has to be like based on like sheer just like oh I, I believe it all wholeheartedly without any knowledge but I think like he reveals those things to us as well um, as we go along our walk um, and so like you can start from a basis of like evidence and all this stuff but as we develop a relationship with God I think the faith part grows past that that's good okay thanks Oh, wait, comment here? Yeah, comment. Yeah. yeah, and I would agree with that. I would say, like, saying that settles it, just it cuts off the possibility for, like, the mystery of God and, like, engagement. And God calls us, like, to bring questions and bring, you know, frustrations and, and all any kind of negative emotion that you might have. Like, God still wants to hear that. And so just saying you have to be satisfied, right. like, that's not the right way to approach faith or relationship with God. That's good. What was your comment? Yeah, no, I was just going to. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, let's hit this group and then we'll be up here. So this next group. Okay. Well, we started out by saying it's going to be very different depending on who you're talking to. So if you're talking to somebody who doesn't believe in God or any sort of higher power at all, you're going to have to start with kind of a historical evidence for Jesus and kind of try to build a case from there. So we sort of moved away from that a little bit because we feel like you're having a different conversation um, with someone who just doesn't believe there is a God. You can't convince them that a book is divinely inspired um, and so then we started talking about with people who do have a faith in some sort of God whether they are part of a different religion or just don't really like are more agnostic and don't really want to associate with a specific one um, and so we had a lot of different ideas of how to start that conversation and some of them like okay we start with the New Testament start with the teachings of Jesus and then bring that into the Old Testament um, and I think one of the big things was looking at if you are dealing with somebody who believes in a higher power, having a conversation about, okay, well, what do you believe the character and the heart of that higher power is? And then you use the Bible as support for, okay, well, look how this, whenever this teaching leads to that character. So if you believe that God wants things that are good for humanity, then you go to the teachings of Jesus and you say, you know, what he tells us to do is for the betterment of humanity. And so you start building your case kind of from the top and then going to the, from the ground up. Hmm. Next group. Yeah, my name is Caleb. Um, we actually kind of took a different approach. I, I like that a lot, but we were kind of uh, talking about how to defend the <coughs> historical accuracy of the Bible, and uh, there are a couple of ways that we talked about doing that. So, 
uh, just talking about uh, the synoptic gospels to start with, you have cross-references, you have uh, multiple accounts that attest to the same events happening, uh, four or three, depending on how you look at the synoptic gospels. Plus you have outside sources like Josephus and other sources that defend uh, and attest to the same things uh, of Jesus' resurrection. So that's one way. The other way to look at it is we have the same texts that have lasted 2,000 years and have basically stayed the exact same. When we look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, we see the exact, uh, not necessarily the exact same, but a very, very, very close uh, m with only minor differences. Um, so that, that kind of suggests uh, a sort of divine stewardship of the Bible. And uh, if you look at other texts, such as like Shakespeare or the Iliad or other sources from uh, you know at least several hundred years back, the amount that they have changed over time is incredible. You can look at the same story and they might not even look the same to the modern reader. So just the fact that um, the Bible has stayed the same for so long uh, is another point. And then uh, the other point uh, that we talked about is all of the different uh, prophecy in the Bible that has become true. There's this guy that did this uh, statistical analysis of how likely it was that the Bible could predict all of these different things, and it was just this astronomical number, so it's, uh, it's pretty good evidence. Cool. Thank you. Next group. Or last group. I'll say one. Um, so, uh, the week, what's your name? Oh, sorry, I'm Alice. Um, this is my first time here. Um, I'm glad you're here. Me too. So, um, they can feel free to add whatever they want, but the way that I approached it was um, thinking about one of my friends who says that she believes in that idea of a god, maybe like a creator um, of the cosmos that doesn't know, doesn't think that that god wants to like, like have a relationship with Earth. She thinks it's um, just like this distant god who created everything and is now just content to sit back and watch. And so my <coughs> kind of response to that is like, what, what need does this all-powerful, like, perfect, or, you know, kind of God have for creation? Like, why, what motivation would that kind of God have to create? Like, why would they not be satisfied with themselves? And then if, if they weren't satisfied with themselves, then why would they be content to just not engage with creation at all? And it's just kind of like, it, it seems like it doesn't make any kind of logical sense, her perspective of God. And how do you connect that with Christian scripture? Particularly, hint, hint. <laughs> Trinity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. So, like, I, I was thinking about the that book we're reading for class yeah. of like God. God's nature is trinitarian and relational. Yeah. So you know, yeah. you kind of have to have like if you think about the nature of God, um, the only way that it makes sense is if He's engaging with creation. Yeah, and what is the Bible is so that would be amazing if if there is a God who created the world and wants to have a relationship with the world and created the world because of a desire for to share a relationship that God already had within the Trinity. Um, and then decided let's reveal ourselves to this creation by means of letting people who experience things that that we do, uh, speaking to the Godhead, um, we have a plan, and we're going to work that plan, and then people that are around at the time are going to write about that plan, 
that's going to be collected into a written book that they can consult and read from time to time to kind of let them know what we're about. Is that, I mean, that's kind of, I've never have tried to formulate what God's thought process was in, in giving the Bible, because we tend to think of it as God just reveals um, the answer book, or, and, and the more you read the Bible, the more you're like, this isn't so much an answer book as it is like, uh, or it's not, it's not as effective as just an answer book as it is more of a, a convert drawing you into a conversation about how to think about what God's purpose for the world is. So it's like a math book isn't valuable because it has the answers. It's valuable. Be I mean, it's great that it has the answers in the back, but if you just look straight at the answers and don't work the problems, you never learn. You never learn what you're supposed to learn. And so if we had a book that just gave us all the answers, it wouldn't be as effective as a book that, that helps us work the problem, similar if that analogy works. Yeah. Um, I think we, we've agreed that we will probably spend next week talking about this topic as well because it's so big. Um, one thing that stood out to me as we were talking is I was thinking back to how this cliche is typically used. And it's used as sort of a way to shut down conversations about kind of what the Bible says in the first place or what it means. Um, but what's rarely being discussed there and why, why we're having this conversation is why we even believe this in the first place. And when you start having, I mean, you think about all the reasons we have up here, none of this just assumes that it's self-evident that the Bible is divinely inspired or something. You know, we're all, we're all sort of acknowledging, well, if I had to explain this to someone, here's what I might say. And so you're not saying, well, if you can't see this, then you're just stupid, right? Um, I mean, but there are some people who might. That might be the only way that they know how to have that conversation, which is not really a conversation. Um, but I noticed, so when I, I used to teach English at Harding, and this is no commentary on my Harding students, okay? In case you're like anti-Harding. Um, but one thing I noticed in the, so I was teaching comp one and comp two, and with some of my students, when I would ask them to write like a position paper on something, a lot of times they would want to use scripture as a way of defending their position on some issue. Like, let's say it was a global warming paper or something. Um, and I would say, if you want to use scripture as a, some kind of source, you have to explain why you believe that it's a viable source. And they would get, some of these students would get kind of angry about that. But I think it's because oftentimes in our faith communities, we don't ask each other these questions about how to, why do we actually believe that scripture is something we can rely on in the first place? And in what sense can we rely on it? I think that's the question that we need to dig into some more. Anything you would add to, to that? Yeah, I have a lot to say, but I, I, I <laughs> I just want to read that paper now. That's yeah. what I want to read. If that, if that was a truly a paper. Um, I, my my challenge with this with this phrase is it doesn't it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work because it it does work if I'm trying to say well the Bible says for me the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I'm down, right? But then the Bible says, sell all your possessions and follow me, Jesus. Ah, 
let's talk about that. Let's pump the brakes, you know, or the Bible has an interesting perspective when it comes to slavery. Well, I don't know about that. So it is, it's a challenge to just use that, when people use that phrase and not think about what they're saying when they say it. And again, I think it's how are we coming into interacting with the, is, it, is this this answer book? Because if it's an answer book, you've got one answer that says, it's all about grace, baby. And another answer that says, you better work your butt off. <laughs> but which is it? <laughs> and then the thing that says, yes, that's like the answer. And you're like, well, that didn't help me. Because it always goes back to, and the thing that we're always trying to break free of is a dualistic approach to something that that doesn't need your dualistic mind. We're trying to come at something with it's either this or that, it's black or white, where this is, you know, the Trinity in and of itself. It's this beautiful dance. And it's not so rigid and not so just Ah, ah, ah. It's, it's something much more you know, complicated and much more relational and, mu- and it's, it's better that way but we are, we're always we're constantly like fighting against like relationships and conversations and experiences we've had since we were little kids about how to think about these things and even when we talk about this kind of stuff it makes some very uncomfortable inside it's like you're messing with the thing that I thought was like figured out like you're messing with it. Don't mess with that. Like I got other stuff that's messed up in my life. I need this thing to be like very black and white. And so, I don't know. That's it's a ramble, but it's it's a, it's what this part of the things I have in my mind right now. George, make some sense of all of this. <laughs> uh, come back next week. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Any? Were you all final thoughts, comments? I think next week we're going to talk some about the Bible says it part. Uh, a great line that I think one of my teachers taught me, people say um, the, the, the text means what it says. And he says, no, it means what it means. Because it doesn't always mean what it says isn't always exactly what it means. You know, you have irony and things like that. You know, sarcasm where you say the opposite of what you mean. Oh, you look great today. You know, um, that's, not, that's not a great example. <laughs> <laughs> what a positive yeah, word. As you leave. <laughs> uh, you look all right. There's also, uh, kind of going along with that, something one of my Bible teachers said one time that's always stuck with me is that the Bible was written for you but not to you. So that kind of goes in hand with this. So these are things to be thinking about. Yeah. So next week we're going to come back and we're going to do more with this phrase. And we're actually going to have a really neat exercise with uh, where we're going to come with a lot of verses to kind of dissect and dialogue together. So come back, invite a friend. we got a couple room, rooms, a little space. Yeah. And airflow. yeah, airflow yeah. will be a part of next week too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, don't forget, we have free lunch today at that address, 60, uh, 621 Shady Crest Lane. It's right after church, so right after like around noonish. So if you already been to if you if you already been to first service, you know go and go to Target, spend all your money, and then uh, 
Yeah, go to Old Navy. Yeah, but free lunch is going to be delicious. It'll be a good time. Great weather. Uh, thanks. Meet somebody you haven't met. Let's do that before you leave. Thank you. Yeah.